of chapter 13 as we take a little detour. I'm going to step outside the box for just a second here. Hi, you guys. Hi. I'm outside the box. And I'm doing it for three reasons. Okay, number one, because it makes me uncomfortable. And I think it might make some of you uncomfortable too. And that's okay, because God wants to do a new work. Number two, because I want to make sure that there's a connection going on here. That we're not here, and I'm not behind this pulpit, and there's not like a, a loftiness or a disconnection. I really want God to do a work in our life. And then number three, because Greg Laurie told me I had to. And those are the three reasons. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. You know, this conference, it really, it really changed me. And, you know, we went to this conference, and i got to just share with you guys, bottom line is, I think it was, uh, what was it, Mark Twain, he said, whenever you don't know what to say, just say the truth. I think that helps a lot, you know. And, you know, when we're out there in the conference and we're eating and we're enjoying the conference and, you know, different things are going on, we're paying for the gas, I think to myself, well, you know, uh, in all honesty, the way it works is the congregation paid for this. You guys, when you give to your tithes and things, you paid for this. And I'll be honest with you, I feel kind of funny doing that, you know, and I think all the guys do. Um, but the Lord really convicted me. He said, you know what? They invested because they want, they want godly leaders. They're willing to do this um, because they want God to change your life, that you would follow the Lord, that we would lead this congregation in the direction that God wants us to lead it. And, and so what the Lord shared with me is I can't just go to the conference and come back and kind of just move on, you know, like nothing happened. I, I got to share with you guys the things that the Lord shared with me. And all these studies and all these things that he gave to us, I have to reflect on them. I have to meditate upon them. And I don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe it'll be a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll be a few weeks, maybe uh, less. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're going to show like a full-on message from the conference or, or different materials that we picked up, or maybe there'll be movie clips or things like that. But I do know this, that what I learned and what God planted in my heart, I do not want it to go away. I want God to change my life, and I pray that as he does that in my life, and I was thinking about you and all you that are here. When I was sitting back there, I was thinking, Lord, and I want you to do a work in their life as well. You know, we learned about the life of David. That was a study, a man after God's own heart. You know, and a lot of times I think what goes on in our life is we're wondering, what's the matter, Lord? What's the matter? Why is it, Lord, that my life seems to be slipping away? Some people are here are like that. Your life is like slipping away. Uh, others here might be here and you want to be a leader. And so you're saying, Lord, I pray that you would make me a leader. Make me one who knows the way and goes the way and shows the way. Make me a leader. Some of you here, things are going bad. Some of you here, you have a calling on your life. You have a calling into the ministry. You have a calling to be a pastor, whatever it is. And, you know, a study like this will really help us to get there, to make sure that when we die, we fulfill that calling in our life. Some of us here, our life is slipping away. Some of us here, we're praying, God, make me a leader who knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. I do know this, that one day, when we stand before God, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we want? I pray that's what we want. That's why we're here. 
And so as we're having that heart, you know, the Lord just, he just led me in this direction, I think, to study something so important, and that is David, who was a man after God's own heart, is an example for us that we would be men and women after God's own heart. And I want to study that tonight with you. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, notice what it says in verse 13. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. You guys probably know the context. Most of you here probably know what's going on. Remember what happened was Saul acted foolishly. He acted wickedly. Even though God had anointed him and made him the king of Israel, he had the potential to be that king forever and ever. You know, God said, listen, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to change everything because you haven't obeyed me. I am going to now strip you of the kingdom, you see. And what God said to Saul right here is he said, listen, I'm going to search for a man after my own heart. You see, and the world that we live in today, you know, God is scanning the globe and he's looking for a man after God's own heart. He's looking for a woman after God's own heart. You know, you fast forward over to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, and most of you here, you know the story. You know what happened is that, you know, the Lord told Samuel, go over to Bethlehem, go to the house of Jesse, and find, you know, this clan. I want you to go, and you're going to have a sacrifice. You're going to have a feast. And what I want you to do is I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. And as you go there and you anoint them, uh, Samuel was kind of, uh, oh, no, Lord, well, what if Saul finds out? You know, and the Lord said, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. He goes there. And even Samuel, as Jesse brings his sons before him, he sees the first one, Eliab, he's big, he's buff, he's brawny, he has all the, the looks of a leader. Even Samuel was not looking at the right place. Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Look at this guy. He's huge. He's got all the looks of a king. And God said, listen, I have rejected him man looks at the outward appearance but god looks at the heart you see and how is our heart what's the matter what's the matter in our life why isn't that we're not really on fire sometimes the way that we should be why is it that even as Christians who go to church on a regular basis, we feel like sometimes there's something missing in our life and we know that we're not going full bore for the Lord? What's the matter? Well, I think the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And when we really search deep within our soul, we find out that the cover is cool, but the content is not really what God wants. And that's why I think the Lord is calling us to have the perspective that's biblical. What was it that separated David from Saul? Why was David the one to be able to establish that covenant before God? What is it in our life that would make me a man after God's own heart? God found one and God is still looking today. What does it mean and what does it mean 
to us. What we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, again in verse 14, the Lord says that he would seek for himself a man, notice again, after his own heart. Okay, we're going to see two things about it. What does that mean? Because I know this, Lord. I want to be like a David, you know. I want to be a victorious Christian, Lord. I really want to live in the promised land. And so God says, okay, cool. Then you need to be a man after my own heart. You need to be a woman after my own heart. Okay, cool. That sounds great, Lord. But what does it mean? Well, it means a couple of things. Number one, you have to have a heart like God's heart. And that's in reference to our character. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Genesis chapter 5, it says in verse 3, I think we have the scripture here, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own image, in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. And so here we see that Seth was begotten in Adam's likeness after his image. Seth was like Adam, right? That's what we see there. Later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 20, we see it says of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. That was when the Lord was leading Noah to bring the animals into the ark. You see, when God brought the animals to Noah, he categorized them according to certain classifications, bird after their kind, animals after their kind, even bugs after their kind. You know, spiders have their own little society. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, you know. You see, the word after, it communicates a certain kind of creature, a certain kind of feature. And when it comes to the leaders that God is looking for and the people that God will use and bless, when it came to the king of Israel, the under-shepherd that God was looking to lead the ones that he loves, he was looking for one with a heart like his. He said he would have a heart after God's own heart. He would be like God, one who cares to the core, one who's selfless, one who's sacrificial, one with the character like Christ. Now, I know there's a lot there, which kind of leads us to our second point, and that is this. When you look at this right here, we see that not only did God want them to have a heart after God's own heart, in other words, it would be like their character, but secondly, it would be a heart of obedience. And that's in reference to all of God's commands. You see, when you look at this, we see that God describes David. If you go over to the book of Acts chapter 13, look what it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says, and when he had removed him, referring to Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. There it is. But notice what it says next, who will do all my will. And that's the key. You see, that's the key right there. We need to do a willy, man. We need to ask God to exchange my will for his will. You know, did you guys know this? Because I know a lot of people, uh, they really don't catch this. And you may think, well, this is really basic. But did you know this, that God has a better plan for your life than you do? Did you guys know that? You're like, no, I don't think so, man. 
you know, I think God, this is the one that he, you know, wants me to get involved in when it's really not the one, or this is the ministry that God wants me to do when it's really not the one. And you're fighting and you're kicking and you're just not flowing with the spirit of God. And people are trying to counsel you and you're not listening and you're confused and you're wondering what's going on. You see, when you have a heart after God's own heart, number one, it means you have his character. And number two, it means you have his commands. Some of you here are probably saying, okay, I understand that I've got to do God's will. I've got to do God's will. I understand that. But you don't even know what God's will is for your life because you're not really spending time with him. You know, I was telling my kids on the way over here, I was saying, you know, the thing about David, he had such a, a beautiful personal relationship with God. You know, he would pray to the Lord. And you can imagine there, just as a kid, you know, it's so cool when you see the young people serving the Lord. But here he was in the mountains, you know, the hills, and he'd be a shepherd and he'd be looking at the stars. You know, and I go out there sometimes and I look at the sun and I'm not worshiping it or anything. And sometimes I'll get in the backyard and I'll get on my knees and I think my neighbor thinks I'm weird, you know, but who cares what she thinks, you know. And I'll just go out there and I spend time with the Lord and worship him. I know this, that when we have the quiet time with the Lord, when we have that devotional life, and we're going to talk a little bit about that on Sunday morning, then you're going to know his commands. You're going to know what he wants for your life. You're going to, he's going to tell you. He doesn't tell you the whole picture sometimes, but he'll give you the next step. He'll share with you what to do. Or if there's a waiting period that needs to take place in your life, and you're fine with that. But a lot of times what ends happening is we don't have that personal relationship like David had, or we're trying to insist on our own will. And I see some people in the church doing that, and my heart just goes out to them. I'm like, man. For some reason, they're not listening to the Lord. You see, when you have a heart like God's own heart, you're going to have his character and you're going to have his commands. It's an individual who will do all my will. That's what we see next. I think the next verse right here is Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. Notice, who will do all my will. You see, it's a full and complete surrender. You know, when you look at David and when the Lord, you know, anointed him as king, you know, what were some of the things that David was doing? Well, number one, he was willing to be alone with God. I know that. I believe that David has such a sweet relationship with the Lord. I believe that David, you know, when he was there writing those Psalms, even as an early kid, that to him, the most important thing in life was his quiet time with God. He was willing to do all of God's will. And when God said, I want to be alone with you, then he was willing to be alone with the Lord. Even for me sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's hard because I have my cell phone and it's there and I'm praying to the Lord and then someone calls me or I'm praying to the Lord and someone text messages me or I'm praying to the Lord and, you know, I think of this and I'll start playing, you know, Frogger or something. I mean, it's incredible the things that we might do when we're there and supposed to be all alone with him. You know, David is willing to be all alone with God. And I think that we need to have that heart, you guys. I really want to encourage you. You know, and some people say they struggle with this. I just can't get there. Yes, you can. Why can't you? Why can't you consecrate time with God? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. David was willing to be alone with God. David was willing to be a shepherd of just a few sheep. That's what we read in the text. As a matter of fact, if you go over to 1 Samuel, notice it says in chapter 17, look what it says in verse 28. 
It says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, David was coming. He was disobeying the Lord, obeying even his dad. And Eliab was upset about that. And he said, man, what are you doing here? Your responsibility is just to take care of a few sheep. You see David's obedience? He was willing to be alone with God. He was willing to just take care of a few sheep, if that's all it was. And one thing I learned is this, is that when you're faithful in the small, you'll be faithful in all. God will raise you up when you have a heart like that. It doesn't really matter what I do. You know, I don't have to be the head. I don't have to be the overseer. I don't have to have, you know, the the position. Whatever God gives you, you do it with all your heart. You know, David was such a faithful shepherd. As a matter of fact, if you go over later in this chapter right here, You'll notice in verse 34, it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Oh, man, can you imagine that? I know we've talked about this before. It's such a common story, but man, think about that. David was so obedient in being a shepherd over just a few sheep that when a a lion, okay, and you're like, is this real? Yeah, this is the Bible. A lion or a bear came to take some sheep that he would fight it. Is that how you approach ministry? Is that how you do it? You know, most of us here, and they mentioned this over in the conference, you know, hey, you know, how much can a bear eat? He can only eat a couple of sheep or something. It's not really a big deal. You know, we'll kind of let him have it. I mean, who here would go toe-to-toe? I could see maybe if I had, I, I don't know, a forty-five or something, you know, maybe if I had some type of, you know, gun or weapon, then maybe I would approach it. But to go hand-to-hand combat with a lion, with a bear, And yet that's what God wants us to do. I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, you guys. He was totally obedient. You know, he, it's amazing. My son Aaron was tripping out on this because we were talking about this on the way over here. And he's like, Dad, did that really happen? And I told him, yeah, it really happened. I told him this. I said, it's amazing what you will do when care and courage collide. It's amazing what you will do. You will do things totally different than the rest of the church. Because a lot of times I think the rest of the church, they're just kind of cruising through. And in this movement, there's no more movement. They're not going forward. They're not seeking the Lord. They're not reaching the lost. And, you know, here David, he was this man fighting the lion, fighting the bear, taking care of a few sheep. I'm not really worried about that whole thing. I have an intimate personal relationship with God. He speaks to me. He gives me marching orders. He tells me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He tells me where to fight, how to fight, and he gives me the victory in that. It's so cool. David was willing to do anything. Later on, his dad asks him to take some bread and cheese, you know, some pizza to the soldiers later on, right? And so what does David do? He says, I'm willing to be a pizza delivery guy. That's, that's fine. 
And Aaron's all, would you do that, Dad? Would you be a pizza delivery guy? And I said, yeah, if God told me to. And what did he do? He was faithful in the small things. And God gave him the victory. It's about being obedient. It's about really understanding that it's not my life. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for anyone but the Lord. And when the Lord is a priority in my life, then he will use my life to touch others. But that's just a byproduct of the passion I have in the priority of my relationship. You see? You know, David was willing to be alone with God, to be a shepherd of a few sheep. He was willing to deliver pizza. And he was willing to fight the giant. You know, when I look at David fighting the giant, and you guys know the story here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, I ask myself the same question. Would you war against that warrior? (laughs) Would you fight? By faith, would you walk by faith when you can't see things? Would you run by faith? That's what David did. He ran to the battle. We read that here in First Samuel chapter 17. Notice what it says in verse 48. It says, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. You know what, Lord... I'm not even waiting till tomorrow. I'm going to go full bore right now. Lord, right now, I'm running. And that's what David did. He ran. It says in verse 49, Then David put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it, and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him that there was no sword in his hand. And therefore, David, notice, ran. (laughs) He ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And then he went around as a trophy. Check it out, man. (laughs) Holding it by the hair. Look what I got, man. I got Goliath. And he just kind of let it hang out with him for a long time, you know. What God had done. How many of us here are not willing to be alone with God? I think a lot of times, you know, the bottom line is, okay, I'm willing, I'm willing, then why aren't you? You're not willing. You got to be willing, man. You got to have that in your heart. Willing to watch over just a few sheep. To just, you know what, I'll be in the background. I'll take the, the back seat and I'll stay there if God wants. I'm content with that. See, we have to follow the Lord. We have to run to the battle. We have to deliver pizza. We have to kill the giant and then there's the other running later on in david's life running of a different kind running in a different way still manifesting his heart to obey because most of you here know the story remember when saul began to persecute david and what did david do he ran he ran away now to be honest with you he didn't have to run away he could have ran at saul just like he ran at goliath and what would have happened he would have beat him up he would have killed him I know that for a fact, but he didn't. What did he do? He waited on the Lord. That was one fight he said, no, I don't want to fight. 
Saul was jealous, Saul was envious, Saul was furious over David's appointing and anointing. He had several opportunities, David did, to slay Saul, but he never did. And this may have been the hardest thing in his whole life to wait on the Lord. But he did. Why? Because I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will, period. And even though Samuel had anointed David and Josephus tells us that when he anointed him, that he whispered into his ear, you will be the next king. David ran. I mean, most of us here would say, well, this is, must be how God's working it out. But in his heart, there was something that was righteous. In his heart, there was something that was wonderful. He said, I'm just going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. And I know this, that even though I've been given this great promise to be the king of Israel, I know this, that if I kill right now, it's just not right. And so he chose to do what was right in God's sight, and he ran away. And you know, and he ran for 10 years. I'm sure when he was there in the cave of Adullam, he wasn't, you know, thinking, how's this promise going to happen? I'm sure when he's there in the fields, even with the 400 men, big deal. Saul had 400,000. I'm sure when he was there and he was raiding and just kind of scrounging around, I'm sure he was wondering how in the world can this promise ever come to pass? And he went through his valleys and he had his failures. But there was something in his heart that said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. And I think a lot of times that's what gets us in trouble is we're not willing to wait on the Lord. We're not willing to obey the way that we should. You know, I'm learning more and more in my life. I'm, I'm sharing with you guys in all honesty, man, the importance of obedience. The importance of just waiting on the Lord and allowing Him to do the work. You know, when you look at this, you see that David is a great example for us. God sets him as an example as the one who would do all His will. You know, Michelangelo, he has a sculpture of David. Uh, it's considered to be one of the most amazing works of art in the history of the world. And it probably is second, though, to the Lord's work of art, huh? The way that the Lord sculpted him, the, Lord, the way that the Lord made him. And, you know, I pray that we're here tonight and we're really believing that God is, is working in my life. I see it in a lot of you here, and it's just a wonderful thing. You're God's workmanship. You're God's sculpture. You're God's masterpiece. God is working in your life and he's making you into the image of his son. And as you allow the Lord to do the work and as you take those steps of faith and you're in the word and you're in prayer and you have a heart to you know, obey, he is working on you and I see it. I really do. You know, the other day we went to the conference and it was kind of funny. Jack Hibbs was there and I guess he had lunch with some of the other pastors and he had some food on his shirt. I guess he was eating and it just kind of spilled on his shirt, right? And so what he did was he kind of hooked up with some of the, the people that were there. The servants that were there at the church, Calvary Chapel Tucson, he said they were so amazing. They came up to him and they said, hey, let me clean it off for you. you know. And, and they were working and doing all these things. And so, you know what, I, 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 later we went to, to lunch, you know, and, and, and Brother Richard, man, he spilled mustard on his shirt, right? <laughs> we had this sandwich place. So have you guys ever been to that place, Aggies in, in Arizona? Aggies, they say it's supposed to be really good. Anyways, 
um, what happened was he spilled mustard. And so I was thinking about that illustration that Jack had said. And I said, you know what, Richard, let me, let me wipe it off for you. Let me, let me clean it off for you. I got a napkin. I thought dipped it in water. I said, here, let me do it for you, man. And you know what ended up happening? You guys know what happened, huh? <laughs> I made it worse, man. <laughs> and so he was all thrashed right here. <laughs> And it was a lesson. It was a lesson. I wanted to be a servant. Okay, hopefully I get some brownie points for that. But the bottom line is, is that the Lord said, you know what? Man, man can't do it. And in our life, man can't do it. He can't do it. She can't do it. Even you can't do it. But God can do it. And I think we just have to come to that place of faith right now. And say, okay, Lord, I, I, I surrender to you. Lord, empower me with your Holy Spirit to be able to obey you the way that you want me to. Obedience is so important. It really is. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 18, it says, And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27, it says, Go yourself and listen to the Lord your God says. Then come and tell us everything he tells you, they told Moses, and we will listen and obey. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, in the New Living Translation, it says, Oh, that they would have this heart like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did, they and their descendants would prosper forever. I mean, when you read Deuteronomy, it's kind of interesting you know, when I was in the uh, Arizona, I had fallen a little bit behind on my devotional reading. So today I caught up and I read Deuteronomy chapter 6 through chapter 16. And I was just blown away at how the Lord is saying, okay, you're going to go enter the land now. And this is the one thing, the one thing that's more important than anything else. Obedience. That's it. And you read it over and over and over again. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. And that's what God is saying to us as well. You know, Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, Peter, it says, and the other apostles answered, and they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. See, it's all about obedience. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, about the sprinkling of the blood for obedience. And then later in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6, it says, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And I was thinking about this this morning. I was saying, Lord, how does this all work? And, and the Lord really spoke to me. He said, number one, you know, when it comes to my life, my obedience doesn't save me because I'm saved by what God has done, huh? You guys know that, right? When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're saved by what he has done. Okay? And then secondly, I think it's important for us to know that my obedience doesn't make God love me more. That's settled because of who he is. Not who I am, right? And so I'm saved because of what he's done, and I'm loved because of who he is. But there's one more question. Am I blessed and you want to know how that works if you want to get blessed in life the way that it works according to the law of the lord is you got to obey you got to obey you got to say not my will but thy will be done 
And that's the way it's got to work in your life. You see, it's important for us to know that when we obey, number one, it blesses God. How many of you here want to bless God, just out of curiosity? Don't you want to make him say, hey, man, check out my son Ron over here. You know, he's talking to Satan. He's saying, check out my son Ron over here. Man, he's, he's just got it together. He loves his family. He loves the Lord. He, there, you guys know the book of Job, chapter 1, the way that he would go every morning. He would offer sacrifices for his kids just in case any of them had sinned. He was upright. And just, he feared God, he shunned evil. He really was a holy roller. He really was a godly man. And God was so blessed by that. And when you obey God and you have a heart to say, I'm going to be a godly man in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, in my life, you got to know how much it blesses God. You know, even the Lord later, he said, you know what? The, the thing that parents want most, that no greater joy has anyone than this than to know that his children walk in truth. How many of you here can testify of that with your children? You're like, man, all I want is for my kids to serve the Lord. I mean, if they serve the Lord, there'd be no greater joy. I don't care what happens to me. If they serve the Lord, that would be it. And the same is true with our fathers. No greater joy has our Father than when His children walk in truth. That's us. When you obey, you bless God. Number two, when you, bless, when you obey, you bless others. Did you know that? And the Bible talks about that over and over again regarding the children. Watch, go back in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and notice what it says in verse 40. It says, Deuteronomy 4 verse 40 You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. You see, when you obey the Lord, your children are going to experience the blessings of your obedience. Did you know that? He says it right here in Deuteronomy 4, verse 40. He says it again later in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that they may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. You know, when we as parents obey the Lord, our kids are going to experience the blessings of that. When you as ministers obey the Lord, your ministry, the ministry that you're involved in is going to be blessed People are going to get blessed. It's amazing when you see someone who's really on fire and I can see it when they're serving in the ministry. I can see certain individuals are just like gung-ho. They're just like full bore. They're like, wow, this is supernatural what's going on right here. And man, they're just following through when it comes to the ministry. It's amazing the huge hearts that God grants. And I see so many people being blessed because of it. You see, when you obey, God will be blessed. Others will be blessed and you will be blessed as well. A few things in that. Number one, when you obey, you will experience protection. Protection. If you disobey, guess what? The walls fall down, you're open game. It's very important that we know that when we obey, we experience God's protection, God's security. You know, disobedience is like cutting yourself. It's just self-infliction. Did you know that? 
When you disobey the Lord, it's just like you're cutting yourself. That's the way the enemy is. Disobedience, if you continue in that persistent, it's like killing yourself. That's how huge it is. And so when you obey, there's just these laws of the Lord. There's this built-in protection. Number two, when we obey, there's the godly direction. You know, when you obey the Lord just one step at a time, your geography is going to be right. You're going to be where you're supposed to be. And he's going to just bless you, man, in life. I love it that you guys are here in Almani, that you guys are involved in ministry, all the different things. You're going to have protection. You're going to have direction. You know, when we went to Arizona, it's kind of funny. Uh, Jose has this, uh, I don't know what it's called, OnStar or something like that, this GPS thing, and it tells you, like, you know, hey, you know, drink your soda right now. It tells you, like, <laughs> it tells you everything that you can think of. Turn right in 2.10 mile, you know, and watch out for the cop right there, whatever, man. It just tells you everything. And that's what will happen when you have a heart to obey. You'll be, you won't be lost. You'll be where you're supposed to be. You'll have protection, you'll have direction, and then you'll have perfection. That's what God will do in your life when you're like, okay, Lord, that's it. From now on out, this is the way it works. It's not my will anymore. It's your will, Lord. Are you willing to make that decision? A lot of people aren't. There might even be some people here who are not really willing to make that decision. They're like, okay, Lord, I'll follow you as long as we kind of agree on things. That's kind of the way it works for some people, man. And God says, no way. That's not the way it works. Damien Call said this. He said, God's will, nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. That's the way it works. He said, you and I can't improve on God's will for our life. And so we have to have that in our hearts. You know, I have a feeling for some people listening to a study like this, it's kind of vague. Is that the way it is for you right now? You're like, okay, I got to obey. Cool. Because the problem is, you don't know what God's been saying to you. What has God been saying to you? Isn't there anything that he's been saying to you that you got to get rid of? You should be able to identify it. Boom, oh, this is it right here. Is there anything he's been telling you that you got to put on? You see, put off the old man, you put on the new man, and then I want you to do this and, you know, things like that. What's the Lord been showing you, you know? I wonder when I think of questions like that in our own life in a very practical way, you know. You know, what's he been showing you? Pray with your wife, pray with your family, maybe pray with your friends. Has the Lord been showing you that? Have you been praying with your wife? Been praying with your family? You've been praying with your friends? Or maybe he's telling you to get right or to eat right. He's been telling me that, you know, I know that. He's telling you to spend wisely or extend mercy or to study more or to give more. He's got to be telling you something. Maybe he's telling you to turn off or to transform that television set or to go on a mission or fulfill your commission. Or maybe he's telling you to love the unlovely or serve the unworthy or to bless even your enemy. What's the Lord been telling you? I encourage you as we live this life and maybe even tonight or tomorrow morning, just get with the Lord. And as you're, as you're praying and you're reading your Bible and you're, you know, you're sitting with the Lord and you're having the quiet time, you have a piece of paper here, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will begin to get specific in your life. And he's going to tell you things. 
and you're going to listen. And I write them down. I write them down. And I try to live them out. You see, Warren Wiersbe, he said this, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. You found your master? Or are you the captain of your own ship? If you don't find your master, you're heading for disaster. I'm telling you that right now. Right? It's disaster. It's it's chaos. If you're not faithful in the little things, if you begin to compromise in your life, little by little, little by little, one day, you're going to find yourself so far and you're going to wonder, how did I get here? And your heart will be so callous. And that's why it's important right now to obey. God says, hey, I want you to take this pizza over there. To, here's the address, you know. And I, I want you to watch over these few sheep right there, just these few sheep. And I want you to be content in that because that's what I want you to do. And, and one by one, as we obey the Lord, God does that work in our life. You see, where our captain bids us go, tis not ours to murmur no. He that gives a sword and shield chooses too the battlefield. War is won, yet battles rage. Let Christ be the center stage. Age to age, the only way. God grant us hearts that will obey. He's worthy. None of us here have the right to take over our own life. He's worthy. I pray that you would know that. Acts 13, 22, God says, I found him. I found him. Oh, I want to do a work in Israel. I really want, you know, to be glorified. Man, I want to lead these people, you know, to a place where the kingdom will be extended and there'll be peace in this country. And so then God starts looking and looking and looking. And then all of a sudden it goes, doot, doot. Wow, I found him. I found a man who's willing to do all my will. Is that you? I pray it would be, man. Pray for your heart. Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Keep your heart, protect your heart. Keep it with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. What goes in? Ask God to do a work in your heart. We're here today, and I know some people are saying, what's the matter, Lord? What's the matter? What's the matter with my life? What's the matter with this world? What's the matter, Lord? And God just, I think, reminds us today, listen, the heart of the matter is is the matter of the heart. And as we have this desire, like David, so passionate, so personal with the Lord to get right and to do right and to live right, then I believe God will do such a great work in our life, you guys. What will he find when he looks at us tonight? Let's give him a fresh surrender tonight. Lord, we just come before you. Thank you for keeping us awake, Lord. I know so many here work today and I'm sure they're tired and things are going on in our life, Father God. 
Lord, I pray that you would touch our heart. We realize today that no man can do this. Uh, We can't do this on our own strength, Lord, but we realize that you can. You can lift us up and you can, Lord, allow us to catch that wave of living water. You can allow us, Lord God, to be able to um, walk on water just supernaturally, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would. I pray that you would do a new work in our hearts, Lord, that you would just allow us today, Father God, to have a heart after your own heart. Lord, that you would bless this congregation, Lord. That you would pour out your spirit, Lord, as we continue to seek you in that quiet time, that personal time with you. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that we would never be the same, that we would have a new start in life. And I thank you so much for the leaders that are here, the future leaders that are here. I pray for your anointing on their life, Father God. I pray your encouragement, Lord, in their hearts. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to kind of step out of the box, Lord, maybe to get a little uncomfortable, but that's okay because we just want you to do a new work, Lord. So we pray that you would. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.